Welcome to the Motormouth Podcast number seven. This time you're going to hear a conversation I had a few weeks back with John Bentley, a man who knows more than a thing or two about cars and gadgets and lots of other things. So here he is, it's John and a car. Well, I'm with John Bentley today. I'm in the West Midlands, it's a beautiful afternoon. John's a TV presenter, a writer, gadget and car authority. Probably best known these days for hosting The Gadget Show on Channel 5. Hello, John. Hello! <laughs> well, thank you for bringing me a new car to drive. I'm very mean with myself on cars, so I very rarely get behind the wheel of a new one these days. I've got an admission to make about this car. This is the same Lexus that I used in last week's podcast. I'll try not to repeat cars again. So we'll, we'll, we'll maybe keep the car, this car chat fairly brief, but you've been driving it for probably ten five minutes. minutes now, <laughs> ten minutes. Ten minutes, yes. We're on a country lane, sort of country A roads probably. So what are, your, what are your thoughts on it? Well, actually, it's considerably better than I expected. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually have very high expectations of Toyotas or Lexuses, for that mm. matter, recent years. I always think they, they, they very much sort of engineer out the, the fun in driving, rather. Um, now, not that that's always been the case. I mean, there are yeah. exceptions. I can remember doing the uh, road test of the first Lexus, the LS400, I think it was in Los Angeles, where they launched it, and filming that and being incredibly impressed by really? just how good it was in terms of its, its sheer silence and refinement and quality for, for I remember that stage but it was the first Lexus anybody had ever seen and well, that uh, was um, yes yeah, so that's like a 7 90. series size yeah. thing isn't yeah. it yeah and it was uh, just so refined compared to the the old Mercedes S classes and uh, really? the 7 series and the 7 series was good at that time because it felt like a sort of enlarged golf hesitate to use the dreaded word but quite sporty for a big car yeah and uh, um, but the, the the Lexus was just incredibly refined and I West Coast of America and being bowled over by it. But then since then, it's all been a bit of a disappointment. Well, actually, this, is, it seems quite good. I mean, it's quite comfortable. It's, uh, it seems to get a bit of a, a bit of feel through the, uh, the steering and through the, uh, mm-hmm. through the suspension. And, uh... You've always had quite a, uh, quite a relationship with cars, haven't you? You've always been quite involved with cars. I was certainly, as, as a child, I absolutely loved cars. I used to collect car brochures and still got thousands of those somewhere um, and uh, I haven't been collecting them act- actively for many decades but uh, I haven't got the heart to get rid of them as I was always uh, at school I was obsessed, completely obsessed with cars I used to read car magazine mm-hmm. particularly when it was in the days of the good, bad and the ugly and, and I used to eagerly wait for that every month when I, after university I decided I'd had to go and work in the car industry so I went to work for Ford which uh, really? was not interesting, I have to say. That's but that's why I, I, my job was a sort of more on the finance side, and uh, I mean, it was, right. quite, quite a, it was quite a shock in many ways. Actually, my first working day was at the uh, Thames Foundry in Dagenham. There was sort of molten iron all over the floor, and it really was. That was right the sort of fag end of Dagenham as a car building <laughs> operation, and uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a fascinating experience in many ways. Mm-hmm. But but ultimately, I ended up just having to do things like. Uh, a finance job. We did have right. accounts for how many windscreen wipers were required in Cologne. What's the really? What's the, uh, it was just a lot of sums, really, and it wasn't very interesting. But the pay was quite good, and it was good fun actually trying some of the cars out because uh, although I didn't quite qualify for the management role car myself, me and my, my colleagues did, so I got to blat about in um, oh, Granada Mark II 
Ferraris and um, the early Fiesta XR2s with the Kent engine that was predicted for the XR3, XR3s actually that stage, and the RS16 which had no brakes. Lots of, I have to fondly remember sort of enjoying all those cars around the countryside of Essex. Mm. But anyway, it was very boring and I applied to join Top Gear as a researcher and got the job, which was good. I managed to convince them that, uh, that I was right because of my major interest in experience. Right. <laughs> so what, what year was that then? Uh, that was 1984. 1984? Yes, I did four from 82 to 84 and uh, yeah, joined Top Gear in 84 as a researcher and then started directing items about a year or so later and wow. uh, became a B and producer and series producer and executive producer and all those sort of things. And then presenter as well? I did very brief, did present one or two items. I think that was, I think that was my boss's idea because I'd sort of, uh, I'd actually sort of launched various presenters' careers and I was quite keen on always finding, trying to spot new talent and he said, well, you ought to, ought to try this yourself after... Yeah, putting everyone else through it. <laughs> really? <laughs> right. <sorry. laughs> and I'd, I'd, I'd really, I did really enjoy doing it, actually. We must have spent years, you know, perfecting the art of doing a road test, you know, knowing how to direct it and, and knowing what people should say and so on and so forth. I suppose I'm not sure we actually did ever manage to perfect the art of the road test. The great things about employing Jeremy to do things like that was that, that he basically grasped television so quickly that he would actually write his own shooting scripts. I've that's, heard this that, about that, Jeremy, That's absolutely yeah. fantastic and would be brilliant. I would say that I suppose Jeremy reinvented the art of the road test with his own hard work and application, really. I guess he did, didn't he? Mm. You, you slightly glossed over the, the fact that you, I guess, discovered is the oh, right word. Well, you discovered... No, not right, introduced him to TV, I think is uh, certainly right, but uh, I mean, he, was, he essentially was uh, an extremely accomplished journalist on performance car. and uh, He was, wasn't he? Other things, yeah. The sort of chap I wanted on the or, or presenter, with yeah. male or female, I wanted on the programme who was more opinionated and mm -hmm. probably funnier than uh, admittedly some of the splendid people we did have. But it was uh, just that I, I felt uh, you know you could look, you could watch BBC Two and see people being critical and amusing about anything from buildings to films, mm -hmm. and, and maybe there was more scope for that to be done with cars. And uh, I met Jeremy at a car launch and was in AX somewhere. Barbershire or the New Forest, I can't remember which, and we just got talking and he seemed absolutely to have that yeah, yeah. streak in his uh, attitude to cars, which was great, and uh, then and he obviously has then magnificently reinvented and redone that in, in uh, future iterations, as it were. He did, and, and maybe he's about to again. Indeed. What was Top Gear like prior to that kind of idea of making it a bit funnier and a bit more, a bit more interesting and a bit more well, witty. It was, quite, it was quite a serious uh, sort of programme. I don't want to, to, to criticise it. No, well, it, well, it, you know, it, was, it was right at the time, certainly in yes. the very late 70s and early 80s. Um, you know, people, people did enjoy watching a very thorough and critical road test yeah, of a Rover 213. Was that right? A lot, lot of good qualities. I thought there was room for more... Uh, more enthusiasm. And I suppose all I managed to do with it really was uh, uh, I was aiming to try and turn it into like car magazine on yeah. TV. Yeah. And uh, instead of uh, people thinking that maybe it wasn't as good as car magazine on TV, I wanted to think it was as good as, as car magazine on TV. Uh, that was the aim. I've right. grown up reading it so much. And yeah. I, and I, and I went, went around and I interviewed the various people from, we did a lot of screen tests and things to uh, see whether. I mean, but I did quickly find out that a lot of the journalists, although they were very good at brilliant at writing on car magazine, weren't necessarily right for telly. Right. Okay. That they couldn't they couldn't necessarily bring that across. 
I want to find what they said because I the only version of the theme tune that's available on YouTube is like a, is like a um, a fake version, like a MIDI. No, it's not MIDI. It's more like television orchestra. It's not done by a pro the proper artist who did it originally. So uh, I've always wanted to try and get uh, if I still got some copies of it on VHS. Where I can find really uh, find the original theme tune. But I mean, they did. I, did, they, I mean, it was quite leisurely at times. I know they did one about. Um, Toyota Land Cruiser. Right. There was about an eight-minute music sequence, I seem to recall. Toyota and, and Wildlife. I mean, Gordon Wilkins did one on, on whether, whether the beat was still up to date in about the late 60s. I've got that one somewhere. Yeah, just must dig these things out. I was very disappointed as a child when that uh, stopped being on mm. telly. It was one of the first programmes on BBC Two when BBC Two came out, but I'm not old enough to remember that. Really? 64. Gosh, wheelbase. I used to enjoy the... Um, in the 1990s, probably mid-90s, I used to enjoy the the other car productions that came out of BBC Pebble Mill, which were uh -huh. the Cars of the Star, was, was, yeah, was very, which I know you you made. Yeah, we produced and directed those, or some of those, didn't you? Yeah, um, I mean, we produced them with a team of directors and directed them. Yeah, mm. but they were they were very good. They were oh, exactly. they were sort of about 25 minutes long, I think, weren't they? And probably only 20 minutes. I, I I still think some of those stand up quite well, actually. I like to. I'd like to see a new some sort of new version of that. It feels like quite a difficult thing to pull off to tell the story of a car and it feels like quite a difficult thing to probably pitch as well because it sounds quite outdated. But, um, but James May occasionally does, does things like that um, in an interesting way. And then there were things like Clarkson's Car Years. Yes. That was that was good fun. Yep. Um, I can't remember what else there was. Extreme Machines. We did Extreme Machines. We did a thing called Several Careful Owners, where it's looking at one cars, all the people who've owned one particular individual car. That wasn't necessarily quite as effective as the cars at the start. We did all some rallying stuff as well, World Rally Championship, where there were lots more makes involved. We did bikes at the star as well. Did you really? With Steve Berry? With Steve Berry, yes. Yeah, I, I, I missed the bikes the start. I bought Steve Berry's book in about 1995 or 96. Berry, Berry on, on bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And Clarkson's uh, VHS as well. It was a Jeremy Clarkson video. Uh, what was that called? Um, he was trying to find the best car and the worst car in the world. It was very good. It was full of, you know, sort of Clarkson humour. And um, I think he concluded that the Nissan Sunny was the worst car in the world. And, and so he fired it from a medieval catapult. Uh, right. Um, but then the best car in the world, which I was slightly disappointed at, was the Ferrari, I think it was a 355. Yes. So you've got all these, well, you you have video recordings of wheelbase. So, um, uh, yes, I, would have got, I need a library. Yes, anyway, get on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about your collection, because I've got the impression from you over the years that you've... I talked to you about the Cars of the Star ones and how I was frustrated that I couldn't find copies of it anywhere and I remember you very kindly said that next time you go in your loft you'll, you'll burn me off some DVD copies <laughs> of the cars to start. I've got the impression that you've got a bit of a collection of automobilia of uh, yes I guess so really yes I mean, I've certainly I've still kept those old car brochures. I've got far too many magazines although I do have a new year's resolution this year not to buy any more paper magazines but to get entirely digital yeah. Um, do you use sort of this collection of magazines and brochures and so on and so forth? Do you, do you use that for information? Not no, enough. I Not enough. I do a bit no. sometimes, but uh, there's a journalist who Giles who, Chapman. And his collection. He wanted a picture of every car. I think he keeps them in a, an air-conditioned picture of every room, car. Every car ever made. 
I, did, I don't know this. Yeah, I, I think he I mean, was... that's 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 a work that he will never finish <laughs> unless they stop making cars today. Yes. And, he, and he has keeps them in a special sort of temperature controlled, air conditioned environment. Wow. Uh, so do you think he has to photograph the cars himself? Oh or? no, I think they're all sort of press releases. And Gosh. Stuff like that. What is he doing? I don't. I haven't asked him what he's doing with them now. They're arriving digitally. I, I assume. Well, I'm, I'm always scared of digital things because I, I I lost loads of stuff on a hard drive once. Mm. I lost like, three years of photographs and, and I was collecting all this video material and uh, and I lost it all and, and so I lost faith in hard drives. Oh no, but they're, they're um, awful. They're always, they will break. Well, they, well this is the thing about it, but I, I, I really don't know how, because I'm worried about my photos and I'm worried about other things that I want to keep and, and I don't know what the solution is. The solution is magnetic tape. Yeah, I think it's called LTO, the format, and that's, I mean, that's with the programme like 50 year old the Genshire, that's what mm. they do with it. If the footage comes in, it's archived twice to magnetic mm. tape, uh, once in its native file format and once in the file format that Avid machines use. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can get, I think it's six gigabytes on tape about that big. Or, right. Or about, you know, really like a small uh, small tape. So, and I think that's the figures going up this year. So that, that's the way to archive stuff. And that's but, but anything, or just, just video material? Uh, well, it could be anything. I mean, I, documents and I so mean, on. Uh, the, the, it was, the TV companies, they tend to use a dedicated system that's quite uh, complicated and optically user-friendly, but there are versions of it that you can plug in via USB 3 or something, and you can just save any files to it. Really? Want. It's not massively quick to access them, mm. but it's designed to be recorded and left yeah. So, and unlike the hard drive, where if you leave, if you leave it, there's no guarantee it's going to really be working again. If you could start switching it on in five years' time, with these things, um, I mean, it's quite a stable uh, mm. medium and even kept not particularly well. I think it's probably good for at least 25 years and kept well for 30 or more. Okay. So that's the answer. You write for car publication. I mean, mainly just classic car weekly. I mean, the, the slight position in, in the life is I can look at a classic car magazine and I can remember driving all the cars when they were new. <laughs> You've reached that stage, <laughs> have you? That's uh, not necessarily enviable position. Yes. Inevitable, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so you write for classic car weekly yes, sort of um, once a month. Or, yes, yes, um, and, and a photography magazine as well. That's how much a photographer. Do you enjoy writing? I do quite enjoy writing. I don't think I, don't think I necessarily find it as as easy as some people. I, I think I don't mean easy in as like a, a critical way. But I don't think I can sit down and and witticisms don't exactly tumble out in my case. You have to think. Have to think. Not, yes. we're, not, we're not all Jeremy Clarkson. Have, Clark, have to wrench all the words out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but nevertheless, it's good. It's good. It makes you think. So, what kind of stuff would you write for Classic Car Weekly? Oh, uh, either bits about cars you think could become classic cars in the future, or mm. things that offer a lot of horsepower per pound. Or uh, I'm just trying to think of things I have written. Actually, you mentioned you mentioned Ford Puma to me earlier. Which oh gosh, was, yeah, that, that was, was one of the. Back. Um, that seems very quite a popular kind of idea these days. You know, for affordable classics or future yes. classics rather, because it's, it's fun, isn't it? It's fun to see cars that yes. you remember as being. New and then worthless. Yes. <laughs> and 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 an eyesore. And then to yes. the, to now see them in a brand new light, which is, you know, that would be like seeing a Ford Cortina driving on the road now. Yes. People would be interested in it. There, there is that. Yes. I mean, the case of the, the Puma was actually a pretty good car. When, I mean, the Cortina was was actually it's a car that's possibly now more highly regarded than it ever was when it was new. <laughs> I mean, in the sense of really. But the. Um, 
the, the people was pretty well regarded when it came out. Then, was it because it was a yeah. of those classic uh, Parry Jones Fords with the incredible chassis, mm. uh, which had never really been arguably you know, things like probably never been matched since. In terms really of driving satisfaction is that fair or is that not fair? I, I don't know. I, I think so. And I mean the Mark One Focus as well. Mm. That was that was an incredible driver's car. Really, really quite. Amazing steering and chassis. Mm. It, was, it was it was lovely, and I, no, I don't think Ford have really matched it. Yeah, the other thing I would the great thing is that they're so rotten and round the real arches and all that. They're so cheap and mm. the scrapyards full of them. So if you could be bothered to tarp them up a bit. Yeah, nineties Fords, but not too early nineties, maybe. No, if Sierras are worth money now. Yeah, I mean, the Sierra, yeah, Sapphire Cosworth was a lovely thing. Well, I mean, bog, bog standard Sierras as well. Yeah. You see. Every so often, I'll look on one mm. of those um, car and classic websites. You see these things like a immaculate XR2 Mark II for you know four thousand, five thousand pounds. Yes. Sierra L, Sierra thousands L. of pounds. Really, I, mean, I do remember getting out of a, uh, a V12 E-Type into my hired Sierra and thinking, God, this Sierra is good. <laughs> really? <laughs> but that's but that's a, that's the classic car problem all over, isn't it? I suppose the, the, the negative. Well, that's but true. Cars yeah, have just become old, and the cars become individual as they get old, which and they, yes, and they can be individually brilliant or individually uh, less than Difficult. they used to be. Yes, <laughs> that's that's true. You, you you do need that relief of a new car that just works now and again. Don't oh, you? it's not. That it, no, it's just that it's designed as it's meant to be. Whereas um, you get a really good Aston Martin DB5, probably. Oh, I mentioned not DB5 is probably the one I want to make. Uh, but I mean, I, I recall driving. The, Actually, it was driving the DB4 from the Italian job. Uh, oh, really? Uh, Charlie Croker's car. Yes, one of the alleged Michael Caine's car. Yes, and, uh, and thinking, God, this is awful. And, uh, and it had just been rebuilt. And I just wonder whether it had been rebuilt in a not particularly sympathetic way. I can remember buying, mm. I bought a Golf GTI Mark I, which was, it had been beautifully restored. Mm. But it didn't feel like the Mark I's I remember. But therefore, is that because it's been restored in a way to remove whatever the essence was, or is it just because your perceptions have changed or your memory's bad? Mm. What is it? Ah! Well, that's interesting. I suspect you're right about cars becoming unique mm. after a period of time and after restoration. Okay, we've got we've got a little bit of speed up now. Still, still well within the speed limit, of course. On a country lane with a few twists and turns. So you're giving this a thorough handling test right now, I guess, aren't you? Not well, not. I as far as that, <laughs> but it's oh, right, it was a corner. Just a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, this is a mildly spirited. Uh, yeah. Do you think it's quick, this car? I would, it's not quick, is it? I don't think it doesn't feel massively quick. I don't, I don't, but I don't think that would necessarily be a problem in normal no, use. No, it's, it's how kind of useful is a very, very quick car. What, 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 what people want, what I want, is something <laughs> that's, that's comfortable and, and enjoyable. And I guess a little bit quick when you need it. Yeah, writing. You write for uh, uh, what's the photographer magazine? Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm just a photographer. Amateur photographer. Yes. Do you spend a lot of time with photography? No, you, not, you're an not enough. professional. No, not well. Only in the sense of doing pictures to illustrate uh, to go with articles. I used to do my own printing and developing when I was a child. Again, I used to do that sort of yeah. thing. And uh, but I never really. I suppose once I started working in telly, I thought I'm working in telly now, I don't need to bother so much with photography, which was a silly thing to do because it meant that I didn't take enough pictures. That's one of minor regrets I've got is not taking enough well, if you spend all your day filming things, 
then... You don't want to necessarily take photos, but you should. No. M maybe funnel your creativity into the camera that, that you're filming professionally with rather than your own camera. Yes, possibly. We should talk about gadgets and the gadget show. You've been presenting the gadget show for... 12 years. 12 years, really? Yes, with one year off while they went on a world tour. Coming right. up to series 24. Coming to series 24. Was this, was this kind of directly after uh, fifth gear for you? It was, yes. I know there was a brief time when I was um, doing them both, but uh, I mm. think it got. I think I, I seem to manage to explain uh, quite well how uh, back in the start, eight years of the start of the Gadget Show, when they were doing some screen tests, how to get um, songs from your CD collection onto your iPod, and uh, they, yeah. they seem to think that I'd probably be good at reporting on it. I re really wanted to do because I've always had a, I mean, I've always had a passion for gadgets as well as cars. Because at the same mm. time as I was. Uh, Collecting my car brochures and reading car books and things, I would also um, build radios and men tellies and um, right. photography and things like that. So okay. both worlds have been utterly perfect. Yeah. Hey. Do you have a favourite gadget show, day out or shoot oh, adventure? Favourite day? Yes. Well, lots. Of, um, actually, one of the ones we actually was to do with cars. We did a twenty-four hour race at Silverstone, virtually on a on a. Race car simulator. Really? And that I, because I'm not really much of a gaming person, and I thought that was going to be really awful. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. Totally, totally enjoyed it. Now, now I understand why racing drivers, you know, do practice all these things so much, and it, it, it feels sort of increasingly car-like the more you do it. Mm. And uh, it was utterly satisfying, and the time just vanished. Was that a, a, like a proper simulator, or was yes, that on was, a was, games console? It was basically a way more than a games console, yes. Yeah, it had yeah, like a, suspended seats that moves about, gives you extra, wow. and, a, and a proper sort of pedal box and a proper... And you, and you did the, the full 24-hour race? Uh, in with three or three of us. So there was three or three of you in, in, swapping drivers? Yeah. Wow, that does sound like fun. There are lots of others. I, I mean, I did, I did great fun doing uh, competing against professional brewers. Uh, <laughs> that was good, only, uh, just because it was nice having a a beer-making machine in the garage and discovering how flavoursome hops are, which has changed my attitude to real ale. I, much because I, I think my attitudes, as much as I've always enjoyed drinking real ale, I think my attitudes through it were probably stuck in the era when I started drinking it. And uh, I wasn't right. aware that the, you know, the, the craft the beer had moved on <laughs> so much more, and uh, which, which was utterly interesting. So that, that was good. We didn't manage to beat Abnums, quite rightly, awful as um, in, the, uh, in the judging. Uh, but... Uh, so you you kind of home use homebrew home kits. Home, I used home, uh, home a thing called a Braumeister, which was like a big boiler. Right. Like a, but it seemed a lot of money for quite really quite a lot of money for what it was. I have to say, but uh, it, and we just put some beer tasters could uh, um, thought that it was as good. Whether they thought it was as good as a, a proper proper beer, and the answer mm. was obviously they didn't. But we did, but it wasn't. But the results weren't undrinkable. So uh, in spite of having having some of the uh, the uh, steam dripping off the rusty garage roof back down into the... That's <laughs> flavour, doesn't it? It does, yes, mm, supposedly. Mm. Is, there, um, is there any TV show you would oh. like to make? Or any kind of... any type of TV show you'd like to make? I'd love to see if it's possible to make a photography TV show. Mm. Actually, that's probably the TV show I'd was. most like to try and make. There are oh, no, various attempts over, over the years and in various ways. There are been some wonderful documentary yeah, series. Was there Susie Perry? Susie Perry did one as well, and uh, uh, we 
which was sort of very much on the how to improve, you know, improve your yeah. photography. It's never, I don't think everyone, anyone's quite cracked it yet. Mm. And that, that would be a challenge. Uh, maybe, maybe, the, maybe, maybe it's impossible. Uh, maybe it's the subject is too static. Maybe it's, you know, it's, maybe it's know. too it inside your like, brain rather than. Sounds like the conversations that the BBC were having in the 1980s about cars being too niche. Well, it, there, is a, there is a bit, there's a part of that which makes me think that it's something that everybody does, and therefore it ought to be possible to make an interesting TV program about it. Everybody does it more than ever now. There is that, yes. You know, with, with, with probably increasingly less professional kit and, and more, more iPhones and so on. There's a lot of stories behind how people take photos as well. I mean, mm. with whatever, your wedding, you know, everything from the, you know, the classic sort of wedding photographer to the people who do car, people who do cars, the people who photograph landscapes at night to the... And there's uh, and more photojournalism stories. Yeah. Same with, there's a lot of background yeah. to photos. And I, I, That's I, I, true. I, I would like serious about that at some stage if possible that's, that's, a, that's a good idea and, and you I think you'd be the right man to make that as well yeah, probably more as a producer than a presenter I'd prefer to produce it I think really mm. do you enjoy presenting very much so actually yes is it was it as was it more difficult or or easier than you thought when you were a producer did did, did presenting ever look like a you know, it might be easy or it might be difficult. Was it more, or was it what you expected it would be? Uh, one of the nicest uh, things is where you can actually produce your own items, but um, and be quite involved in write the script. And so which I did lots of things with the early in the early gadget show when we were you know, testing. I was testing printers in the garage or something. You know, you yeah. you, you'd end up. You just go and do it. You're like a journalist. Go, yes, go, go get a story, John, and then yes, you go and do it, and somebody films it. Which was perhaps quite appropriate in the early days of gadgets, particularly because a lot of them, there were quite a lot of bad things, you know, things that didn't deliver on their promises. At all. <laughs> but, um, what, more so than there are now? Uh, that's an interesting point, is it more so? But I, I think there's a lot There's a lot more polished products now, I think. Where yeah, yeah, in, in that kind of technology, digital sphere. Aside from all of the um, car magazines and brochures, uh, archived material, <laughs> which I really need to build a library for, that's <laughs> and I'll build a bigger garage as well, so I can start start increasing a collection of cars. Which are, which really, you've got a bit of a collection of cars, haven't you? Well, what's, what's in your garage right now? It, the problem is, I'm very mean with myself when it comes to cars. Mm. We're just—I've uh, always had a driven Golf myself, and I'm mm. currently on a very a mere humble Golf Five. Uh, two litre TDI. We've, yep. got a, we've got a Toyota Verso, uh, which was which we bought when the kids were smaller, so they could carry them, them and their friends mm-hmm. about it. Which is all that my wife drives that. Uh, we've also got a, a Yaris. Now the kids are older, they can learn to drive on it. Um, and I've still got my first car, which is a '72 Beetle, which we've had sort of in the family since new, and I haven't had the heart to get rid of. Wait, when did you first get that car? Uh, I, from bought, I bought it. I got it. I bought it off my father actually. My final year at university, he got fed up with British cars in the seventies and announced one day he was going to try and buy a Beetle. I did buy a Beetle. I'm fed up with this. I think we'd had a Cortina Mark III that wasn't straight. Mm-hmm. Was actually, <laughs> and, uh, and all the tyres have worn out in six thousand miles. I said, this, this is enough. I've had it to here with British cars. I go to buy a Beetle. I sort of groaned. I thought, oh, how awful. I used to go out nice and kick it. But, but I've really? gradually got to uh, a certain respect for its sort of humility of character when I started driving it. 
Yeah. And, uh, and it always seemed to be on my side, so I uh, never had the heart to get, heart, heart to get rid of it, really. And right. it's been sort of slightly restored in the early 90s, and uh, or rather late 80s when I uh, start, stopped driving it every day. Yeah. And, uh, and it failed its MOT with the start of actually potentially quite bad corrosion at the start of last year, so it's sort of, do you scrap it or do you rebuild it? Mm -hmm. But rebuild it. Did that work out for your father, do you think, going, going to a German car? Oh, it did, definitely, yes. He had uh, Golfs and Audis after that. Did he? So, that so was, he was uh, a firm convert after driving <laughs> yes, Dagenham dustbins. <laughs> yes, indeed, yes. My mother stayed with Vauxhall, though. It's funny how people get stuck on a brand. You're stuck on a brand, I guess, aren't I, you, with your, with your Volkswagen? Yes, yes. And it seems to be happening with Toyotas, which, which early you claimed no, not I, to like very much. I don't really like Toyota, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> this seems to be better, much better than I expected this one. Yeah. Well, maybe we should conclude with the car then. So we've been, um, you know, I guess you've been, you've driven it for about an hour now. We've been on the motorway. We've been yes. on, in, in the countryside. We've actually given this quite a thorough little uh, little test, haven't we? And you like it? I don't think it's too bad, actually. I mean, whether it, having said that, it's obviously immediately, if you're actually to go out and buy it, you mean you say, oh God, well, I could buy a BMW instead and all that sort of well, thing. This is and it, you think, yeah. well, well, actually, it's not quite that good. Really, but I, it certainly has exceeded my expectations in terms of uh, yeah. being reasonably pleasant to drive. Yeah. What about the style? Do you do you like a kind of larger coupe? I, I, I don't mind large coupes. I've always kind of got a soft spot for 300 ZXs and even some old uh, Supras and things. But uh, mm. I, I'm not particularly keen on Lexus styling. It just seems overly detailed, overly fussy. Some of them are downright ugly, aren't they? I mean, the um... they are. I think I think it's kind of good that they've found this. <laughs> They've settled on a style, haven't they, right yeah. now, which, which is, you know, which is fairly unique. So Lexus, Lexus gets a thumbs up then. I think, uh, yes, a qualified thumbs up. Quite, right, it's, it's not totally horrible, is what we're saying. No, and I you could, you could live with it, but you probably wouldn't buy one. I, I suspect I wouldn't, probably wouldn't want a, a large-ish coupe. It's about, partly, actually, because of the sheer practicality of the gadget business, in the sense that even with a Golf, you can actually fit a 55-inch TV into the back. Is that right? For testing purposes and things like that. So uh, mm. I think I think I would be quite frustrated by uh, that that issue at times. But I, it just then actually as a it doesn't seem it doesn't seem willfully designed not to be involving to drive, which and that, <laughs> and that is that is. Uh, for me, and that's your tweet criticism. For something that's yeah. quite an achievement, really. Banger racing with that collection of cars, which I can never quite see oh, underneath yeah. all those tarpaulin. Maybe we can go and go and. Uh, is, there, is there a road that goes past? There isn't, but it's a footpath. It's interesting, isn't it, <laughs> when you see old old yes. cars in a garden or a field, especially mm. if you know they've been there for many, many, many years. Which they have actually. Those are, I think there's a Mark II, definitely, and a yeah. S type or something. Isn't it? And they've got car covers on as well, so there's mm. even greater intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's, uh, yes, it'd be nice to have a collection. Could... The problem is, where would you stop if you started to have, wanted to have a collection of cars? You never, I mean, what do you have in it? I mean, you started, you'd want a 911, you'd want to uh, just because mm. it's such a <clears throat> classic thing, you'd want, uh, you'd want uh, rolls, classic rolls of some sort for picnics. Or do you want Maybe, to, yeah. Want, uh, Maybe. I just thought you'd, you'd want your whole, night, a whole childhood street scene full of. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot, a lot of it is related to. Nostalgia, yes, isn't it? That, that's and um, 
And I think that's partly why certain cars become interesting at certain times, not just because they're old, but because the people who were children at the times are now grown up and can afford to buy, you know, slightly cheaper Spectrum classic cars. And it's really necessarily happened with cars, but it certainly happened talking about their collective buses and that uh, you know you can they can fall off the end as well I mean you want people mm. may have wanted an Edwardian bus it's why everything's all the problems magnified with buses because they're so much bigger to keep but uh, <laughs> and uh, they said that they'd known several sort of restored ancient buses that had to be scrapped because actually didn't, nobody was really interested in having a well uh, the, you know 95% of people do not have the space for a bus mm. and and out of that 5%, 95% of people probably don't have a family who would be willing to <laughs> let them put a park a bus in yes. the land that they do have. And then 95% of those people are probably actually not interested in old buses. So it's a very kind of, so, yeah, yeah, very so, specious thing. So bus uh, enthusiasts are doomed. Well, bus enthusiasts... No, no, I mean, yeah. there's actually just near here, there's an amazing collection of buses still there. Is that in, at the, um, I know, the transport museum? museum. Um, where, where is that? It's Whitehall, which is on A435, mm. just south of... We could go there now, if you like. Would it still be open? <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't necessarily know. I think that would be a dedication to the bus. In, what, even, even though they have two Midland Red um, uh, motorway buses. Which, yeah, which these are incredibly fast. Yes, things, aren't they do 100 miles an hour. It's all been backwards ever since. That's when it was still It's <laughs> <laughs> just like Concorde going. You know, you've got. Uh, yes, the Concorde of buses. Yes, the Concorde of buses. This was in the 1960s. Yes, and this was. It was built to get you priced down speed the new limits. National speed limits. Absolutely, quick to get you to uh, to London down the newfangled M1 mm-hmm. from Birmingham. Uh, and Midland Red bought a bus to do 100 miles an hour, and it did. Fantastic. Two, two of them sitting there in this. Uh, Museum. Whether they take them out at 100 miles an hour, probably not. I suppose. Rather conspicuous. Get away with it. <laughs> yeah, you can't get away with it on the M1, could you? That that is twice the speed limit of the M1 nowadays. They're <laughs> um, they're 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 they're, they're absolutely fantastic things. What what do they look like? Those those Midland Red buses. Mm, they don't they, 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 they don't look particularly spectacular aerodynamic or anything. Okay. Like a normal. They're just a bus. There's <laughs> a bus. That's an aerodynamic. Slightly, but slightly, they, slightly they, round. They've got nice powerful. round, round glass, I think. They're not bad pieces mm. of design work, but uh, they, don't, no. they don't look overtly spaceship-esque. Okay. Is it, is it a bus museum, though? Yes, I think so. Well, but, oh, I thought it was a, a transport museum. Most of them are waiting to be uh, restored. So, which is lovely. It's got a lot of cobwebs and dust. Yeah, which is always more fun. Or mm. often more fun than, than a fully restored car. Mm, yes, indeed. It's always it's more a... interesting opening up a garage and finding yes. the, the husk of a car there where then, um, mm. then finding a clean garage with mm. a perfect right. car, which yeah. is what you've got right now. What about Your Beetle <laughs> is absolutely immaculate, oh, right. I must say. Does, does Luke, no, 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 I'm saying it's not interesting because of that. Well, that, that is always an issue in life, isn't it? Do you restore things or do you... I mean, in the case of mine, it was worn out, so it had to be done. But I mean, but, mm. but, but if, you had a, if you had a lightly used 1961 Mini or something, you'd want to, you'd want to uh, keep it lightly. You'd want to leave it lightly used, yeah. I think so. I mean, I, you know, I think it can be personal personal taste, though. Mm. I don't think there should be any, this is what you should and oh, shouldn't indeed. do. No, they're not listed. I know, oh, <laughs> should they be, though? No, no, personal object. What's that? Is that Bristol? Uh, no, it's a Rolls. No, it's a Rolls, sorry. Rolls. Yes. The one with the... 
looks like he's wearing glasses from yes, the 1960s. A program retracing the 1913 Alpine Rally, mm. and with with a whole dozens of these things trundling around uh, uh, through what was uh, it was 1993, and it was then you know, just post fall of the wall and things in mm. Croatia and um, uh, the former Yugoslavia and places like that, which was great fun, and I got to drive one uh, for a little bit, and I. The precision of all the controls and the relatively balanced chassis of the thing surprised me. I, I, really? I thought it would be, uh, it was less obviously antique than I expected. But they still have to sort of do your retard the ignition yes. and all that sort of thing, which is quite a neat it's a bit of an art. But, uh, Were the pedals in, in the, that's the right place? Not like, is it like a Model T? I can, that, I can remember that driving a Model T and finding the, that was the mm. biggest thing to master. Because considering, yeah. considering it was supposed to be. Reason for the, why they sold 15 and a half million of the things was supposed to be that it was really easy to drive. I'm sure it was, it's just that you happen <laughs> to be used to the pedals in a certain <laughs> yes, arrangement yeah. now. So, this Rolls Royce was probably more uh, familiar to drive than you thought. It was more like yes. driving the kind of cars you'd driven before. Yeah, it's felt like a very well engineered Ford Transit. <laughs> really? <laughs> I kept thinking at the time. But, uh, well, but um, I should do a little sort of goodbye and thank you bit. Ooh. Do you always find it a little bit awkward somehow? I don't know. Do you ever find those awkward? Yes, there's only relatively awkward on camera. I was going to say, hello, very nice to see you. How are you? Yes, you're also, yeah, you're conscious is also, you'd probably be far, you say, it would be far longer in real time than it ever needs to be in, uh, <laughs> in edited uh, TV world. So, it, uh, you know, you try and keep it as short as possible, which makes it even more artificial. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to, uh, to make a presentary goodbye and thank you. Well thank, so, you. well, thank you very much, John. <laughs> 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 well, a very enjoyable waft around. It has, isn't it? It's been a nice, nice afternoon, and I'm glad you you don't hate the car. No, I quite like it actually. But, but I, I, I think that maybe it's a slightly short of, somewhat short of actually seriously wanting to buy one or anything. But, mm. but, but it's, uh, it's certainly better than yeah. I expected. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. No, it's been an enjoyable afternoon. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you. So there you go. Big thanks to John for taking me on a very nice drive in the West Midlands. He's on Twitter if you'd like to follow him, at JohnBentley90. And so am I. I'm at Motor underscore Maldi. Thanks for listening. Take care. Drive safe. Have a nice week. Come back in a week for episode number eight.